Thank you so much, Brother Shane and the praise team. Some beautiful worship, beautiful songs this morning. I'd like to say good morning to everybody. It's good to see you this morning. I know that I got to speak to a few of you earlier, but not to everyone. Uh, but I'm thankful that each and every one of you are here today. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 8, where we'll pick up uh, last week, if you were with us, or if you've seen that from Facebook. Uh, last week we saw, for the most part, the end of the, the story of Stephen and the part of his life that we were able to get a glimpse into as he was chosen as one of the ones to help in the distribution ministry and as he preached the gospel clearly and did miraculous things and then stood before the council. And last week we saw that he was stoned and killed uh, by an angry mob. And we're reminded as we saw that, that although Stephen is widely recognized as the first Christian martyr, the first Christian to ever be killed uh, because of his faith in all the world, that we know that the truth is that although Stephen was stoned, that Stephen is not dead, but he is alive and well in heaven with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we'll meet him one day, those that have faith in Christ. That's exciting to me. And so that's something that we can look forward to as we'll have lots and lots of years to talk to brothers and sisters in faith while we're there in glory. But we'll see today that, that this persecution against Stephen did not stop there. It wasn't something where they stoned Stephen and then just kind of went back to the status quo. Uh, but it's almost as if the, the stoning of Stephen sparked some type of strong persecution against the church, and we'll see that and what it leads to today in Acts chapter 8. So look with me there. We'll begin this morning in verse 1. It says, And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. If y'all would pray with me this morning. Father God, this morning as we look at this text, we're reminded that, that these words are true. And Father, that these are words that you inspired Luke to write down for us to have. Lord, there are things here for us to learn and to observe Father, they teach us things about you, and they teach us things about who you want us to be. Father, I pray that as I speak the truth of your word to your people, that you allow their hearts and ears to be open. Father, that you remove any distraction from this room, that you allow us to not focus on last week or the week to come, but to focus on these truths. Father, that you would use me to speak clearly and concisely, which you would have your people to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we see here Saul, and this isn't the first time we see Saul. We saw last week that as they were going to stone Stephen, they lay their coats at the feet of Saul. But Saul, of course, will be an important character throughout the rest of the book and throughout the rest of the Christian history of the world, as he will eventually become Paul. But we see here that Saul is a leader in this persecution. Uh, but more than highlighting Saul, Luke here for us highlights the persecution. What's going on? They stone Stephen, and they kill Stephen. And then it says in that second part of verse 1, And there arose on that day 
a great persecution. So right, not just that they were persecuting the church, but there's this great persecution, it's a strong persecution. They are greatly attacking the church in Jerusalem, which is the Christian church there. Uh, it says that in verse 3 he describes it as Saul ravaging the church. And so Luke really highlights the extent of this persecution. He tells us that it's bad enough uh, that that these people were scattered. They had to leave Jerusalem in order to get out of the way of this persecution. That's how bad it is. He tells us specifically what's going on, right? It wasn't just that they were making fun of these people or leaving them out or firing from them jobs. No, it says that, that verse 3 tells that they were literally entering house after house and dragging off men and women and throwing them in prison. So they're literally going house to house, finding Christians, and when they find these Christians, they are taking them, dragging them out of their house, and throwing them into prison for being Christians. And so that's the type of persecution that we see here. It's great, it's strong, it's terrible against the church, but it is taking place. And so point one in the text this morning is that persecution against Christians greatly increased. I say greatly increased because this isn't the first, right? We've seen uh, the apostles jailed. We've seen them beaten at one point. We've seen Stephen. But they've basically, to this point, been isolated incidents here and there. But now we see that it's church-wide. All of the Christians are now in trouble for being Christians. All of the Christians are at risk just simply for following Christ. And so here in these first three verses, there are a few things that, that Luke highlights. He does highlight the persecution he does introduce Saul, but something that as we go through the rest of this text in just a moment that I really want you to make a mental note of is that these evil acts, right, the acts of these evil, sinful people lead to the scattering of the church. To this point, that's not how it's been. The, the Christian church has been here at Jerusalem. We'll talk about that in just a moment, why that is, but it's been centered here but now, all of a sudden, the Christian church is scattered. They are spread out. They are sent abroad. And we'll see some of what comes from that. Look with me in verse 4. It says, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. So what we see here, this is a big deal. Like in the course of human history, this is a big deal. Not just in our text today, but, but in the course of human history. Because what we see here, if you remember at the beginning of the book of Acts... We were told that, that Jesus meets with the disciples, right? He meets with those that are there, and he gives them the Great Commission in Acts. He tells them to stay in Jerusalem until they receive the Holy Spirit. And so they do. They are, they are faithful to do what Christ tells them to. But So to this point in time, all of the work of the Christian church has been in one city, in Jerusalem. Now, there have been great things happening there, right? We've seen the distribution ministry that they had to come up with because there were so many people. We've seen literally thousands of people. It tells us that even priests have become obedient and have become followers. So we see Jewish people 
coming and not persecuting the church and not fighting against the church, but joining the church. And we've seen large numbers, and it says daily that people were coming to faith in Christ. And so we've seen great work in the city of Jerusalem, but to this point in time, that's the only place that we see Christian work being done. It's the only place that we see the Christian church. But now, all of the sudden, in chapter 8, we start to see something different. And the Christian church spreads throughout the world. It goes to all sorts of different places. And we're going to see this continue to play out for the rest of the book of Acts. Which is good news because it eventually leads to people like you and me hearing the gospel. Right? That it is spread across the world because it wasn't centered in one place. Because that was God's plan is that all people would eventually hear the gospel. It's still the plan today that we would work to find that all people everywhere have access to the gospel, have heard the gospel, have understood the word of God. That is our hope. That is our prayer. That's why we continue to send missionaries today. That's why we continue to fund missionaries. That's, what I, that's why I pray that some of you, the Lord, might one day call to be missionaries because it's our desire to fulfill the great commission that Jesus has given to us. And we see it taking place here in a special way. These people, it says in verse 4, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. So this... These aren't just specifically commissioned missionaries. This doesn't include the apostles because we're told in verse 1 that they stayed in Jerusalem. So these are normal, everyday people. Regular folks that are scattered because of the persecution, but wherever they go, they go and preach the word. And so this is amazing to me because what you have here is just regular, everyday, normal folks like us but they're preaching the word. They, they, they didn't get so scared of this persecution that they went to different places and closed their mouth. They didn't just hide and be scared. No, they went to different places to get out of Jerusalem where the center of this persecution was, but wherever they went, they were still in awe of Jesus. So wherever they went, they told people about Christ. I pray that that could be said about you and about me. Wherever we go... We're so in awe of who Jesus is. And we're so amazed at what he's done in our lives. And we're so amazed that he loves us even as sinful as we are. And that he died in our place even though we don't deserve it. That we just talk about it. Wherever we go, we preach the word, teach the word, share with people about Christ. And that's what they do here. And it says in verse 5, he really highlights one specific instance of this. With Philip, Philip, another one of the ones that was chosen with Stephen to be a leader in the church to help in the distribution ministry. But it says, Philip went to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Now that's something to note because if those of you that know any of the history between Jews and Samaritans, they didn't like each other. You probably remember the story of the woman at the well. And even when Jesus is speaking to her, she says, you're a Jew. Right? She's amazed that this Jewish man is speaking to her because they just they didn't get along well. Samaritans uh, had been Jews at one point and had intermarried with other people, so Jews looked at them as unclean, as half-breeds is really how they looked at the Samaritan people. And so you would think that whenever Philip, this Jewish person from Jerusalem, shows up and starts trying to teach them that they just immediately reject whatever he has to say. We don't care what he has to say because of who is saying it to us, but that's not what takes place here. No, it says, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him, 
and saw the signs that he did. And then in verse 7 we see that, the, that God gives him the ability to cast out unclean spirits. That God gives him the authority to be able to heal paralyzed and lame people. And so they see these things happening and all of a sudden they realize there's power. They realize that there's something different that's going on here. And so instead of them being mad that Philip's trying to teach them the gospel, instead of them rejecting it, it says that there was much joy in that city. So even the Samaritans are listening about the Christ. And we're going to talk more about that Wednesday night. I've been waiting to be able to say that for a while. Wednesday night, we're all having Wednesday night church. It's good news. And so Wednesday night, we're going to look at this idea because one thing that I, I really would like to talk about is whenever it says in verse 5 that Philip went to Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. I want to talk about how the Samaritans would have known that word Christ. How they would have known about the Messiah. But it's not, it's not, a, it's not something that's really needed this morning. But we'll talk about that Wednesday night. But we see that he does these great things. He teaches the gospel. He tells them that Jesus is the Christ. He does these miraculous works that God allows him and empowers him to do. And there's much joy in that city. And so point two this morning is this. The persecution led to gospel spread. So right, the great persecution comes. The terrible things come. The ravaging of the church comes. Christians being dragged off and thrown in prison comes. But it leads to something that I don't think the Jewish people doing it, that Saul and the others that were doing it, ever saw coming. It leads not to the church being silenced, but it leads to the church being spread. And whenever the church spreads, they take Christ with them wherever they go. They take the truth wherever they go, and so they're preaching the word in Samaria and in other places. And now there are more people hearing the gospel than before. And I think they would say, that's not what we expected to happen here. But again, I want to highlight this because I really believe that this is personal application for us. That these Christians, wherever they went, they took the truth with them. And they shared that truth with the people around them. They had new neighbors. They had new co-workers. They had new friends. And they told those people about Christ. They were still in awe of Jesus, so wherever they went, they told about Jesus. And I pray that the same thing could be said of us. Wherever we go, wherever we find ourselves, whatever we're doing, we're telling people about Christ. We're sharing the Word of God with other people. And, and one other thing I want to make sure that we highlight here, because when I see this play out, it's almost like it works out so well that it's almost like somebody had planned it. Isn't it? I mean, th this whole idea that, that the persecution comes and it makes them leave. But when they leave, they take the word and more people are becoming obedient to the faith. And we're going to see that throughout Acts. More people in more places are going to hear about Jesus and fall under his lordship. And he's going to, God is going to receive more glory from this. And more lost souls are going to become saved. And it works out so well, it's almost like somebody planned it and there are really two views to see this you can either say what happened here is God reacted to their sin right these evil men do these evil things and they persecute the church and so God kind of pivots and uses that to do some good work and that's one way to look at it but the other way to look at it is to say this was God's plan all along 
We wouldn't have understood it in the beginning because you'd say, why would God ever allow his church to be persecuted? And we're told in James that trials will come and that the testing of our faith can lead to perseverance and other things. We see, we're promised that we're going to endure these sort of things. And so we wouldn't have understood it. Why, you, if you saw Saul dragging people off to prison, we'd say, why would God ever allow that to take place? And I'm not standing here this morning to try and tell you why God does the things that he does. But I can confidently tell you this, that this is not God reacting to the sins of men. This was part of God's plan. How can I so confidently this morning tell you that this was all part of God's plan? Because I'll read again the text that Brother Shane read for us earlier before we sang King of Kings. In Isaiah 46, verses 8 through 10, God says, Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Now we could spend a long time looking at this. But just recognize that what God says is, from the very beginning, I could tell you everything that was going to happen all the way to the end. Because God sees the future. He knows everything. Not only that, he says, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all of my purpose. So from the very beginning, God has had a plan. And that plan plays out because nobody is able to stop God's plan. It's a promise. God is sovereign. It's the word that we use for this. God is always in control. Make note of that, and don't ever let us forget it. God is always in control. God always knows what's going to happen. And if you turn back just a few pages to Acts chapter 1, there's one other thing that I can show you that, that, that makes me confident that this scattering to these areas and the gospel being shared there was part of God's plan all along. In Acts chapter 1, verse 7, Jesus is speaking to the apostles just before he's going back to heaven. In verse 7 it says, He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We saw that. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And we saw that. And in all Judea and where? Samaria. And to the end of the earth. And then we look in Acts 8. And it says that Philip goes, verse 5, Philip went down to the city of where? Samaria. It's almost like somebody planned it. Point two this morning is this. Noth uh, point three, nothing catches God off guard. Absolutely nothing. This was not a surprise to God. We don't always understand His plan, but you can rest confidently in knowing this, this was part of it. And here we know it very confidently because He even laid it out. This is what will happen. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and that happened. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and that happened. And then in Judea and Samaria, which are just the areas outside of Jerusalem, and that happens. And to the end of the earth, and we'll go through the rest of the book of Acts, we'll see that happen. Everything happened just the way he said it would happen and just the time that he said it would happen. 
in the order. It's beautiful to see that this is God's plan. It didn't catch him off guard. And so this is what was meant for evil by Saul and these Jewish leaders. They're not doing it. They don't know that they're part of the plan, but they're part of the plan. But they're doing it to be evil. They're doing it, I trust confidently, to try and silence the church. They've already tried to silence the church. They've told them, do not speak anymore in this name of Jesus. And so now they're taking the people and throwing them into prison. And it reminds me of Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 50, verse 20, the story of Joseph. And he speaks this to his brothers. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Just a reminder, we don't always know the plan. But brothers and sisters, you can rest confident in this. God does. He does have a plan. He does know the plan. And he will make sure that it comes to completion. The greatest example... And all of the history of the world of this taking place is Jesus on the cross. Of, of somebody meaning evil and thinking that they are doing something to oppose God, but actually being part of God's plan because they took Christ and they beat him and they flogged him and they mocked him and they spit on him and they crucified him because they hated him. They did this to be evil. They did this as a sinful act. But God used that to bring about the greatest good that has ever happened. You and I can sit here this morning and praise Jesus because he died in our place. Because he was the atoning sacrifice. They meant it for evil, but God used it for good. What a glorious reminder this morning. That God is always, always, always in control. And this is good for my soul to hear. Because a lot of you are like me and you have dealt with a lot of things in the last couple of years that you didn't expect to deal with. I look across this congregation and there are many of you that I have sat with in here as we mourn the loss of loved ones that we did not see coming. There are many of you that you or a friend or a loved one have lost your jobs. There are some of you this morning that have dealt with cancer. There are some of you that have dealt with all sorts of things. That have tried to pivot and change things because you have been so frustrated. Because we're living in a pandemic that we never saw coming. But this morning and this week, my soul has rested in this. God did see it coming. It didn't surprise him. It didn't catch him off guard. And just like this, I trust this. This morning I say this with all the confidence that I have. With everything that I have in me this morning, I tell you this. That God will use all of these things to accomplish his purpose. I can't tell you how and I can't tell you when. But I can tell you this. Nobody's going to stop God. And it's good for me to be reminded of that. And I pray it's good for you this morning to be reminded of that. But I think there's also personal application. So there, there's a theological application there for you. A reminder that God is in control and he will always be in control. And that nothing happens. Nothing happens that God did not see coming. Nothing. But for us, I think we see some application in this in verse 4. 
Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. So I would say this morning that we need to serve the Lord. And if you lose your job, then you need to serve the Lord. And if you have loved ones die, then you need to serve the Lord. And if you have to move because of some unforeseen reason, love your spouse and teach your kids the Bible and be a good neighbor and join a church. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter what situation you find yourself in, serve the Lord and know that He will use it to accomplish His purpose. He will use it to bring glory to Himself and He will use it to bring lost people to Himself. And the last verse I want to give you this morning I think about often, we love Ephesians chapter 2, and it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of Scripture. Right? It's where we're reminded that we are saved by grace through faith, and that it's not our own doing. But in verse 10, sometimes we don't get all the way there. In verse 10 it says this, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Before we ever became Christians, there were things that God planned and intended for us to do. And so I pray that we walk in that, that we share the gospel, and that we teach our kids, and that we love our spouses, and that we care for our neighbors, and that we're good bosses and good co-workers, no matter where we go. And when we're sick and when we're well, we do all those things. And when we're happy and when we're sad, we do all those things. So this morning, I want to ask you this question. The first question I have for you is, is, do you believe this gospel? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God and that he really died in your place and paid the price for your sins? Because if not, we need to start there. And I'd love to have a conversation with you about that. If you have questions about what that means or what that looks like, let me know. We'll find a time that we can sit down. I would love to talk to you about it more. But I also want to ask you a very specific question this morning for everyone that's here that's a Christian. Are you serving the Lord no matter what? Or does your circumstances and your mood decide if you're serving the Lord or not? Does it happen every day or on the good days? Does it only happen on Sunday or does it also happen on Monday and Tuesday? Brothers and sisters, I pray that our service to the Lord and our dedication to follow Him is not based on anything other than His grace towards us. And it never stops. So on our good days, let's serve Him well. And on our bad days, let's serve Him well. If you're not doing that, I pray that this morning that the Lord would use this text to call us to that, that we would repent of our sometimes laziness, our sometimes just not doing what we know that we should do, and that we would serve Him more faithfully. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. We're going to have a time of response. You can respond in lots of different ways. You can pray where you are. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'd love to pray with you. If you need to sing, then sing. This morning we're going to sing. And the second verse that we're going to sing this morning is, uh, Hear my, send me, Lord. Right? That, that we would, wherever we go, be sent by the Lord and be clear to everybody around us. If you need to pray or if you have questions, come let me know. If you want to sing, you sing, but you respond however the Lord leads you to as Brother Shane leads us in a hymn of invitation.